Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. I'm Kevin and I'm here with Franklin and Cody and we are continuing our conversation through the Gospel of Matthew. How you guys doing? I'm excited to dive into what we're about to dive into. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good talking through Sermon on the Mount, and now we're moving into to Jesus's uh, life, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we just, if you've been listening along, as Cody said, we just finished up the Sermon on the Mount, so chapters five, six, and seven, and now we are uh, gonna be on the road with Jesus. You might say he's taken off, and um, uh, we're gonna follow him through uh, through Matthew chapter eight. Um, so we'll get going here. Um, at the beginning of chapter 8, Matthew writes that when Jesus came down from the mountainside, which is uh, where he was preaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it says that large crowds followed him, and then a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Uh, Matthew says next that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy, Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What is going on here? Why is this story in Matthew's gospel, do you think? Just because it's interesting, or is there... Okay. Um, (laughs) Fill us in, Franklin. What's Matthew doing here? So I believe um, Matthew is just kind of placing placing this story in there. Because if if I'm correct, I believe isn't this the first healing of somebody that we've established mm, in Matthew's gospel? Yeah, let me. I can't I can't completely remember, but I think this is the first one. So Matthew one, we had the genealogy. Yep. Uh, then Matthew two, um, the escape to Egypt. So Jesus isn't even born yet. Then then he's born. We have John the Baptist, the baptism, the wilderness. Um, calling his first disciples. Yeah. Oh, no. He heals the sick in Matthew 4. Ah. So it's the second so one. So close. Yeah. Yeah, close. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's notable to add that, as a lot of us know, leprosy is just a general skin disease. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what exactly skin disease or what. But when I was studying this, it said that even, like, le- people with leprosy weren't allowed to talk to society. Mm-hmm. And they like let alone be touched by the Messiah. So that's important to add. Yeah. And then that's why I also think that Jesus said, do not say anything to anybody mm-hmm. because that's how society treated him when he had leprosy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, leprosy was, you're right, it's a it's a general uh, skin, skin disease. I mean, we kind of know what leprosy is now. It's stuff that affects your nerves and your skin and it can get in your eyes and your nose and everything. And it can cause serious damage, but it's not a big deal for, um, I think, generally all over the world. It's not really a big deal. But here, what Matthew's talking about, I mean, it's translated as leprosy. And I think it's safe to say just a general, like you said, a skin disease. But for them, first century uh, followers of the one true God, they had... Uh, specific stipulations to follow with regards to skin diseases for people. And you're exactly right. Um, If somebody had a skin disease and care for the larger community as a whole, they were instructed to 
make sure that person didn't interact with the community so that disease wouldn't spread. Now, I think it got blown out of proportion where it's it began as a safety thing for people and then it evolved into a condemnation thing for the person with the skin disease. That it, you know, if you have a skin disease, I'm not going to touch you out of care for other people that I might come in contact with. That's a decent start. It turns into you need to leave and you're now lesser than everybody else, um, which is not helpful. Right. I mean, really for anything. Yeah, yeah, for anything. Yeah. Right. And and as you pointed out in verse 3, what does Jesus do? He reached out his hand and touched the man, which is a huge thing. Yeah. I mean. A, you're not allowed in society. Mm-hmm. B, you can't, I mean, let alone be touched. Right. And then Jesus himself touches him. Yeah. 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 So what, I mean, that tells us some pretty important things about who Jesus is. He's not. I don't think what we're supposed to take from that is that Jesus doesn't care about what the law says. I think what we're supposed to take from it is that Jesus loves people and he's not afraid to get mixed up with them. And so he's happy to reach out and touch the man in order to, I mean, he heals him. He says, be clean. And it says immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Mm -hmm. So that's how he heals the man, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, it's like looking in Leviticus, like the, length at which you would have to go mm-hmm. to re-enter society the number of things that you had to do and it was like moses laid it out like okay here's what you have to do and well and if you don't if you don't have enough money and wealth for that well you gotta do this and it's like it's this you know slaughter two lambs and oil and blah, like very specific in-depth detailed uh process to re-enter society uh and so like that was my question is, you know, I understand that portion of re-entering, but one, why, why did Jesus still tell him to follow the law? Mm-hmm. Because if, if Jesus is healing him mm-hmm. and Jesus is fulfilling the law, well, is there a need to still live that? And then it's like, okay, yes, he, he hadn't fulfilled it fully at that time. Right. And so then he couldn't just tell the dude, eh, go be on your way you don't have to do this portion anymore Mm -hmm. now because they still were in that like layover period of still living to it, but not fully Mm -hmm. fulfilled yet. Uh, and then you kind of answered it like, why, why not tell anyone? And Jesus says that numerous times throughout Matthew's gospel and Mm -hmm. and the other gospels, right? Like he'll do something, he'll heal someone. And then he says, don't speak on it. Right. And I was like, Hmm, like, is that his way of, you know, not wanting to bring attention and glory to himself because he is in human form. And like, that's what we would do as humans is give glory to the person who healed us of that. Like, is that Jesus saying, you know, glory be to God, not to me. Mm-hmm. Or like, what was the reasoning behind Jesus consistently saying you're healed, but don't tell anyone. Right. I, so the first part, why he would have him offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them going to the priest I think is what you were talking about is that the law is not fulfilled right now. So they were in that intermediate time period between Jesus announcing that he's going to fulfill the law and then Jesus saying on the cross, it is finished. There's many elite, well, three years between, let's say three years between that announcement and then that announcement at the end that it's finished. So should the law be adhered to during that time period? It looks like Jesus is saying yes. Right. As 
he's going to, in his ministry, interpret the law and he's going to reinterpret the law. He's going to interpret it based on what the kingdom of God that he's bringing in and everything. And he's already talked about that. I mean, we went through it in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter five that you've heard that was said, but I say to you now, he's interpreting the law for them. So I th- I think it chalks it up to the, being in that intermediate uh, time period. And then why he didn't want him to go tell people. I was with a um, friend of mine and we were working through the gospel of Mark and that comes up a lot in the beginning that don't, don't go tell anybody what's happened. And it looks like in Mark and what we're going to see here in a minute is because crowds would come to Jesus and they would rush him. Hmm. And Jesus has a specific mission that he's trying to fulfill. And that point in time, I mean, it shows up in the gospel of John. He says, my time has not yet come. And I think what he's doing is guarding his mission that he's been called to and saying it doesn't stop him from helping somebody, but it, 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 uh, he can't go on and just heal everyone with everything. And otherwise he's not able to fulfill that mission. He can't get to where he's going. Yeah. If there are crowds around him 24 seven, right. I didn't think about anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's something that I had looked at in the past and, um, thought it might be something fun to to dig into a little bit here. If you got, can you guys go to Mark's gospel? Go to Mark chapter one. We're going to get this same story in Mark. So, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, they often share uh, similar stories, but they tell them in slightly different ways. Which we talked about in a few podcasts ago that it makes sense, and it would actually be odd if every single story they told, every single detail was exactly the same. We would say, well. It looks like that's just one gospel, and then they changed a few things to make it look like a different one. This is plainly, or these are plainly, three different gospels that have been written. And I want to point out one thing that's a little um, interesting here. And we're going to see this pop up again with another story um, that we see in Matthew 8. But in Mark 1, so it says, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Same thing in Matthew's gospel. Uh, what are your guys's, what translation are you reading from, uh, Franklin? NIV. Okay. What does verse 41 say? Jesus was indignant. Indignant. Yes. Yeah. What are you reading, Cody? ESV. And what's yours say? Uh, moved with pity. Moved with pity. Right. Okay. So here's an interesting thing about this story that is shared between all, not there's four Gospels, but the three synoptic Gospels, it's the same story. But uh, the NIV's translation of that first phrase, Jesus was either moved with pity or moved with com- uh, compassion, or he was indignant. He was angry at the man. This is, a, this is a different response to the man, depending on what translation you're reading from. Right. And it's there's a big, long story to why it possibly exists. The one thing that I wanted to, to point it out is basically just so that we know it ahead of time, so that whoever's listening or us reading later on, if we're in a Bible study with somebody, so we would be, you're reading a different translation than Franklin and I, and both our translations say indignant, and yours says moved with pity. Mm-hmm. So there, the... the like I said, there's a big discussion on why it happened and what might be taking place. Long story short, the Greek word for angry or moved with pity or indignant or compassion are similar enough to where it looks like scribes, when they were copying them over time, they swapped one out for the other. And part of that might be um, because if you look in Mark one forty three. 
There's no ambiguity about what this verse says, but it says that Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. So a scribe, being familiar with that, may have swapped out the word earlier thinking, well, if Jesus is giving a stern warning later, he's probably not moved with compassion. Whoever copied that before probably got it wrong. I'll fix it and make it angry or indignant. And based on what um, textual history, a, a, a certain, based on whatever manuscript tradition a certain translation is using, they will have to make a choice here. And the New International Version uh, has decided that indignant is probably the um, original reading in a translation like the English Standard Version or a number of others. New American Standard, I think, says, no, we actually think it's moved with pity. Hmm. So, um, it's not, I don't bring it up to make it something bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. It's not, sometimes these issues can be framed as gotcha things like, oh, look, your Bible say something different. Well, we know they do. Right. This is not a secret to. That's the beauty of different translations. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's that, it is that. And it's the beauty of uh, Christianity is a historical religion above all else. We can track it back to the actual history of the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And coming with that are the actual historical markers of the manuscript tradition. And they're not all alike. There are many differences in them. And part of the um, work of figuring out what the early or what the um, original writers said, did Matthew, um, Matthew doesn't say anything about it. All Matthew says is that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Mark, when he was writing, we would ask, did Mark write Jesus was angry or Jesus was moved with compassion? Those are two different responses. Um, and there's disagreement on what it is. But the beautiful thing is we know about the disagreement. We don't, we don't say that, oh, we can't know anything now. No, there are some things that we know with more certainty than others. There are some things that, and then and then those things that we don't know as certain um, are things like this, what happens in Mark 1. Um, obviously, we're not in Mark, we're in Matthew, but it's interesting um, to look at that story because it shows up in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. As we talked about early on, it's hard to look at one Gospel mm-hmm. and not quote or reference other Gospels, right. uh, especially with Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Yeah. You almost can't pull them apart without comparing them oh yeah and holding them side by side and yeah. saying okay you know let's get a better understanding of right. what matthew says by reading mark and luke right the same story and like they might not be in the same place right but it's the same story exactly and so we can get a better understanding or maybe have a little different context based on right. the others and and i like to think about that so much because you can, so somebody could hem and haw and say, Ugh, this is annoying. Different translations are saying different things. Different manuscripts, not even talking about translations, but different manuscript copies are saying different things. Wouldn't it be easier if they all said the same thing? Well, that sounds good at first, but then you have to ask yourself, how did we get to the point where they all said the same thing? Somebody somewhere would have had to collect all of them, get rid of the outliers, and only preserve one pure tradition. Well, it's not how it happened with the New Testament. It was copies were sent out across the world so fast that there was no control over them anymore. And the amazing thing is not that we have differences. The amazing thing is that we have so much similarity between all of them. 
Right. To compare the differences. Yeah, exactly. It's doing it a disservice because like if you're comparing differences and there were so many differences, Mm -hmm. well, then that wouldn't give you a grounding or base to say, okay, you know, we know this to be true for certain. Right. But when you have thousands of copies spread all over the world Mm -hmm. at a a crazy fast rate, Mm -hmm. if they all are saying very similar things and we're sitting here, you know, debating whether it's moved by compassion or anger, anger. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that we're going to disagree on. Right. The phrase has been tossed out by people who look at this an embarrassment of riches that we can sit here and go, Oh, I wonder what he said. That's an amazing thing to be able to wonder that because we know for certain that he said so many other things. And then we, as Christians, we don't have the privilege to say, I don't, um, I want to ignore those differences. We should accept them and say, of course, there are some things that we know with more certainty than others. We don't have to have 100% certainty on every single word that Jesus said or every single word that the Gospels of the New Testament wrote or the Gospel uh, or New Testament writers wrote. We have, I don't need to keep talking about it forever, we have, we have a great amount of certainty over large or over a large percentage, and there's a, there's a small percentage that is up in the air. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that it is. Right. That's the Christian faith, and we ought to be okay with that because, like I said, the other way is to want somebody to take control of it, and then they control what the text says. Well, that's not how it works. Right. It is a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, look at these and, and that be what we talk about, mm-hmm. right? Questioning, you know, slight differences like that. Right. But to know that, you know, we can can base our life and, and living our life through a, a set of texts that have been, mm-hmm. you know, translated numerous hundreds, thousands of times, mm-hmm. tons of different languages, and all of us who read these these same texts, right still know and experience who Jesus is. Right. So that that's exactly. the beauty for me. Right. Yep. Right. And that the NIV would have a footnote. The ESV might have a footnote too. The NIV says, well, many manuscripts say Jesus was filled with compassion. That does not sound like a Bible that's trying to hide anything. Right. They're saying, look, we have written this. We think that this is the best, but there's this other option. So you do the work and figure out what you think. You know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Talking about the beauty of the faith, that's part of... Yep. What it is. Those things are out in the open. Yep. And I mean, the basis of this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Ask a- questions. Ask questions. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. That's right. Well, and that's like, oh, we're bouncing around. No, right. like, like at the end of Mark, isn't there some, some of them have that little footnote and it's yeah. like the About bat. like the last like three verses. Yeah. Like uh, some manuscripts have this and others don't. Right. A large section at the end of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, okay, so since we're on the topic... Well, well, I wasn't going to bring this one up, but since you mentioned it... There are two, there are three major textual variants, which is a a term to say there's differences in the manuscripts, textual variants in the New Testament. One is in the Gospel of Mark, one is in the Gospel of John, and one is in 1 John, the epistle. The Gospel of Mark... You will notice in your Bible when you get there, it will either be bracketed or there will be an italics or it'll be relegated to a footnote. And I'll say the earliest and best manuscripts do not have verses 9 through 16, I think. I, c- I should just look it up. We'll, we'll not have those verses. But again, 
it's there out in the open. Nine through twenty, it won't have them. You go to the Gospel of John, and you get to John seven fifty three, and you notice that the same thing happens. The earliest and best manuscripts do not have seven fifty three through eight eleven. It's not a cause for panic. It's it's interesting and it's worthwhile to look through. But again, we know it's not like it has surprised us. We know. And then the last one is First John uh, chapter five. Uh, verse 7. It's the where the King James will have uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit or something. And the earliest and best manuscripts do not, do not have that. So if you know that there are textual variants, that's just the way that it is, you ought not be surprised by anybody because I'm telling you right now, the, the major ones are going to be Mark 16, John 7, and 1 John uh, chapter 5. And boom, they're there. So you can deal with them, and it doesn't ruin the faith. It actually, I think it makes it exciting on what's going on, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is, okay, say if we only lived in accordance to the words that Jesus said, the red words, and we didn't listen to Paul, Mm -hmm. we didn't listen to any of the other speakers Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, or we didn't look at the Old Testament and say, it wasn't Jesus, so we're not going to listen to it, and it doesn't hold value. Right. Like if we were living that way, right. well, then these things make a big difference. Exactly. But yes. we're not. You're exactly right? right. We listen to Moses. We listen to Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Right. We listen to to Paul. Mm-hmm. Right. We read what they say, and we know that it has value still because it's part of Scripture. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, that's for me where it's like you know, if we were only living in accordance to the the specific words Jesus said, right. Then sure, you know, let's make an uproar about what he he says Ooh, they changed something right you know yeah. what i mean but <laughs> right. that's not the case right you know we're listening to to matthew's uh experience yeah of jesus's life yeah like matthew's retelling yeah. what he saw yeah. and so if it was only you know a word-for-word documentary right yeah it better be 100 percent accurate right right but this is a testimony from matthew and so then yes. like to to say that you know there aren't going to be slight differences right or disagreements on oh well you know he was wearing blue sandals right not purple okay but i'm colorblind so to me they're purple right Mm -hmm. like small you know what i mean like small things and Mm -hmm. it's like if we get up in arms over it then then the deception of the enemy is winning Mm -hmm. right what's that so that uh that saying it's like if it's not a salvation salvation issue then it's not you know what i'm talking about yeah i've never heard that yeah it's like if it's not a salvation issue, it's not one to waste your time on a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, it's worded better, but it's yeah. kind of like that, yeah. like the the colorblind statement. Like, you're not gonna be saved or not saved because you think Jesus had brown or black or green sandals on. Like, that's not the, right. the issue. Yep. Yeah, we ought to be prioritizing things. That did Jesus die on the cross? He absolutely did. What time was he put on the cross? Man, I don't know for sure. I have a pretty good idea of what I think. Was it 6 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I think it was 7. <laughs> that sun was a little right. bit lower. And, you know. Right. What we talked about earlier, how long did it take the Sermon on the Mount to be preached? Right. I said right. it looked like somebody could bust through it in 20 minutes. You guys are saying, well, maybe he did it longer. Yeah. That is not even close to the same level as did he resurrect from the dead or not? Right. Like, which I think is what you're saying, yes. which and I yeah, totally yeah, agree with. Yeah. We ought to be doing that. Yeah. No. So and it's just neat how 
you know, we can sit here and ask those questions and say, okay, you know, let's talk about the differences and right. be okay with that. Knowing that there's differences, right. acknowledging, yep, they're there. But then asking the question, how does that affect my walk with right. him or does it? Right. At the end of the day, no. We have differences because we have four gospels. Yeah. That's sometimes I think we can just go, oh yeah, we have four gospels. It's an amazing gift of God that he would give us four unique eyewitness testimonial accounts of the life of Jesus that does not exist anywhere for any other major religion in the world. We have four of them, and sometimes we can get in a rut and saying, oh, I'm sick of these differences. You're sick of having an abundance of riches? Having too much yeah. to choose from? <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. it's like, even thinking it like out loud, it's like, okay, kind of making lighter uh, comedy out of it, but God's sitting there, you know, oh, some of these people, they might need some, you know, real in-depth, you know, documentation of it. Other people, they want like the cliff notes. So we're going to give them John for those people who, you know, they want to know Jesus, they want to know, but, you know, not maybe not so word heavy, but a little more yeah. up in the clouds. And then we got, you know, someone else like Luke who's like, like Luke, yeah. I'm going to document everything. Exactly. I'm a, I, you're going to know if he has brown or black sandals because I'm going to write it down. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and then you have John's like, yeah, color of sandals don't really matter. Right. He was wearing sandals though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like it's. That's a good point. Like that's, that's beauty for me is that, like you said, we have four to choose from. And not only do we have four, they're, they're, they may speak to different people differently. Right. And that's, yeah. And all about the same Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So the, the centurion. Yeah. Yeah. So then he continued. Yeah. Okay. So right from there, um, go uh, offer the gift as a testimony to them. Then Jesus enters Capernaum. And a centurion comes to him. Comes to him. Okay, so a Roman centurion, mm -hmm. not a Jew, yep. not probably a follower of the God of Abraham and mm -hmm. Isaac, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, but a Roman centurion mm -hmm. comes to him and says, "Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly." And then Jesus says, "Well, do you want me to come and heal him?" <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I can help you out there. Yeah, I can. Fix this issue. Right. Right. And then he has the famous thing I don't even deserve to have you come under mm -hmm. my roof. But look, I have people that are under me, under me. I know if I tell them to go do something, they're going to go do it. If you just say it, I know it'll be done. And then Jesus says, one of the most amazing things anywhere, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then he says to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. I can just picture Jesus like throwing his arms up like, at last like i've finally yeah. like i've been te telling you guys this this whole time and and this guy who doesn't even know who i like doesn't even believe what i'm teaching right still believes right like just so like boisterous and like i can just imagine jesus like dancing in the street like look at this guy like look like this is what i'm talking about having this faith mm -hmm. and to think that it's from a guy who isn't following him 
and yeah. like from or you wouldn't expect to be following him yeah. i guess my question was like why did he believe jesus like was it a culmination of hearing stories of what jesus did and the miracles that he did yeah. was it kind of a build-up of like ooh, i've heard a lot about this so i'm gonna go talk to him or was it like holy spirit moved in him and like snap of a finger all of a sudden he's like oh yeah. this guy's real and he can heal yeah um theologically i would say well, everything is theological, but I would say he's not going to do anything without the Spirit's aid in him. Yeah. I mean, right, they right. work in concert with one another. Mm-hmm. We move and we move because the Spirit has led us to move and we respond and we respond because, you know, so yeah. all those things. I but, guess more so like was it a buildup of yeah. hearing what Jesus has done or was it like, oh, he's here, so I'm going to ask him. That's how I've always pictured it is he's heard these stories about Jesus and he can heal people. And I have somebody who is suffering I believe he can do this. So I'm going to go talk to him. Uh, yeah. And I guess the, the crazy part is like knowing that he probably wasn't Jewish. Oh, he definitely wasn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like solo. At he's that just point, a guy who can heal people. Right. But I mean, like, that's, uh, that's what right. I think he's thinking of. Yeah. He's not going like, oh, I want to, I want to worship the one true God. He's going, no, I want somebody to heal my servant. That's all, that's all that he's concerned with. Probably look, looking at Jesus more of like a doctor. Oh, that's exactly what than, he's looking at. Than a Messiah. Has. Yes. No <laughs> question about it. Reasoning with him like, look, you know, I I have people under me. I get it. Yes. You know, I understand. I can empathize with your situation. And, yes. you know, I would do this for mine, and I'm sure you would do this for yours. And belief is belief. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Roman centurion wasn't thinking, oh, Jesus is the Messiah, and because he's the Messiah, it means that he's the fulfillment of what Isaiah prophesied, and Isaiah was building off of Moses. And Moses, he's not probably not thinking that. All he's doing is he's believing what has been said about Jesus. What do we call people to do? We call them to do the same thing. Believe what has been said. I mean, we just talked about the Synoptic Gospels. Mm-hmm. We are doing this podcast and we talk to people so that they would believe what has been said about Jesus. Are there certain things I want you to believe about him? Of course. But we can get to those later. Like, pick one thing. Just believe something about him. And I think that's what's happening with this Roman centurion. He goes, oh, he can heal people. I have a servant who's suffering. I believe Jesus can heal him. And Jesus says, you have such great faith. (laughs) <laughs> like you you come to me you believe that i can do that no one in israel has the faith that you have mm-hmm. like that's amazing and then he says the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness or the sons of the kingdom whichever your translation will say um people who the kingdom ought to belong to are going to be told to leave mm. because they they don't believe what's happening here and you a roman centurion whom I mean, we'll, we'll get to talk about it maybe even in this chapter or in this episode or the next episode. Jesus' is, his direct mission at the beginning of his public ministry is to go to the lost sheep of Israel. He, I mean, he'll, he'll say that later on in the Gospels. I was not sent to the world. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But here in Matthew 8, we have him talking to a Gentile, a non-Jewish person. So obviously... Jesus is, um, although that's his mission, he is letting people know this this kingdom of God mission is more expansive than you guys realize. Like, go back and read Isaiah. Go see what he says about the gospel going to the nations, and you'll get what's going on here. 
It's wild. So was original Jewish practice only for the people of Israel? Well, it's where it started, uh-huh. for sure. Yes. So if you if you were in that family line, it's where it began. But then you could be, well, Paul uses the language of being grafted in. Now, we sitting here in 21st century America, as far removed as uh, Moses-like Israel as you can get, we are part of Israel because that's what Jesus is fulfilling. But for sure, that's where it started. But then the gospel goes out and then you get different, you get Canaanites and you get Amalekites and you get people coming from all over the place that, that start to believe like Melchizedek. He wasn't, he wasn't from the, the tribe of Judah or, or from Israel. He was in another part of the world and he comes and he's a believer in the one true God. So different things are happening, but the nation of Israel is important because that's where God has started his family, I guess, if I could say it like that. And then he is, that's a bigger conversation, but he elects people to come be a part of that family with him. And so I think that's what's going on here. So it definitely yeah. starts with a family, yep. but it's but it's not like it. Well, Jesus is showing us right here, at least. It's not like the door is closed outside. There, um, salvation is. Paul says salvation is first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. I mean, that's just the plain truth of it, and that's where it starts. But it's not like it's not for the Gentile. It's. I mean, if we want to put it in order, like Paul says, then we put it in order first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But first for the Israelite, then for the non-Israelite, however you want to word that. Um, yeah. So, so I guess my, my question was a little open-ended. I kind of meant like prior to Jesus. Is, are we on the same page? Yeah, but yeah, and yeah. I didn't answer it very well. Sorry. Okay. Um, no, that's okay. You get to, so you read Isaiah mm-hmm. and you you read about talk of the gospel going to the nations, even in Isaiah. Okay. So way before Jesus, five, six hundred years before Jesus, there's already talk of the gospel going out to the world. Okay. And that was my, where I mentioned like the Canaanites and the Amalekites and where did Melchizedek come from? Those are all non-Israelite, the nation of Israel people. They're outside of that, but somehow the gospel is reaching to them. The good news of the kingdom of God, whether it be Old Testament or New Testament, is bumping into them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, chapter seven, when we talked about uh, the the narrow gate. Oh yeah. And the the heart, the difficult road, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and we were discussing, you know, well, how can Jesus say that to and, and say, you know, few will get through. Oh yes. And mm-hmm. Franklin had mentioned, you know, must be a, a proportionate. Type conversation. Yeah, that was a good point. That yeah. Um, yeah. right. It was like, well, clearly, you know, that has to be true because here he says, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's right. 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 And so it's like, okay, yeah, you know, yes, he he's saying, you know, few will get through, in the context of referring to how challenging the journey and the the living, yeah, the kingdom life is, yeah, but not to a proportion of, or not to the, the effect of, you yeah. know, proportion of total people. Right. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I, as I was going through here, it was like what you had said, it, it, yeah, it, it spoke to me and rang true a lot where you're like, yeah, you know, it has to be a proportionate conversation. Right. Not 
a literal few will make it through. Right. So right. just when Jesus is, you know, elaborating to the centurion, you know, hey, there's going to be lots. Yeah. And then there's yeah. still going to be people that are thrown out. Right. Like Exactly. Yeah. Which is, yeah, so many will come from the east and the west. Basically, like from all over the world, people are going to come. And that's what John is, that's what's revealed to John in the book of Revelation. People from every line, uh, 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 language, tribe, people and nation are are in the kingdom, are mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God. Um, it's people from everywhere, for sure. So um, we've kind of already touched on this, and it's, this is just a real quick, basically like a one-liner. Yeah. But for me, it's like, it's amazing that Jesus said, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Mm-hmm. Like the holy nation, like those were God's people, and the the Roman Gentile had the greatest faith to that point that Jesus had seen. Yeah. So for me, it's just like, it's like eye opening how, like how passive we can get in our faith Mm -hmm. and not uh, progressively chasing after Jesus and trying to, I mean, not, I mean, yeah, trying to better, better our faith, better our walk with Jesus, better our relationship and just continuing to grow. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good point though because I, I guess when I read this or have read this in the past, it almost spoke to me more in like a figurative way, oh. less like a literal context. Yeah. And so when you're speaking, you know, it it's easy to get passive. Yeah. It's like yeah, looking at it in a literal mm-hmm. aspect, whereas mm-hmm. like I in the past have looked at it more of like a, a figurative, like. Yeah. Out of all these people, you're the one. Right. right. Perfect example where it could go either way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and so it, it's a good point that you make. Yeah. So yeah. that was all I had to say about that. It just, yeah. it was, yeah, it's true though. I mean, I had looked at it more, you know, oh, look at this guy's. Right. <laughs> right. And, and right. less of a normal, like, really, like, don't do this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What I, so um, the way that I like to work through things like that, I like to start as literal as I can. And then if I have to go figurative, hmm. I'll, so I like to start like Franklin and maybe end up like Cody. Yeah. But I, I want to take what he says. There was, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The first thing that first things that comes into my mind is there was not a single person in, in all of Israel that had the faith of this guy. Okay. Is that exactly what he meant? Maybe we can back it down a little bit, <laughs> Yeah, but as far as like a hermeneutical, like how do we interpret the Bible? I think that conversation is a good example of how it should work. We, we ought to start with the plain reading of the text. And then if it's hyperbolic or it's figurative, then okay, let it be that. But let's not rob it of its on the face value because it's difficult to take. Like that's a, that's a strong statement right. from Jesus. Yeah. But just because it's a strong statement, let's not go, well, he can't be saying that. Right. No, he says some. That he's can't be say really some, what he means. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. a, Jesus, he's, nah, he's not going to say something right. like that. Right. He's got to mean, you know, like figuratively, like he's just everyone. <laughs> he's kidding, like, bro. Yeah. yeah, like he's, <laughs> no, come on now. Surely he doesn't mean that they're really going to be thrown out into darkness. No, he just means that they're gonna. They'll come in later. He'll bring in a flashlight for them, and <laughs> it'll all work out in the end. No, back then it was lighting a candle. Oh. <laughs> right. Or no, he really torch. meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus comes out. Hey guys, yeah. uh, I was kidding about you. You want some light? I got a torch. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some oil on it, so it'll last a while too. Right. 
Yeah, then Matthew comes in and goes, no, actually what he said was there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. And then we go, oh, man, oh. that's harder to soften that up. Yeah, okay, maybe he really did mean he was not He wasn't joking on that one. No. I've always been curious, and maybe we've talked about it. Is this the first time we've seen gnashing of teeth? Either way, I'm always curious, what is gnashing of teeth? Like, I hope to never find out, Yeah, or I, I won't find out, but... I think it's like... like like grinding your teeth. Like you're yeah. in okay. such anguish so that like, you clench your mouth. Yeah. You know? Have you ever been so upset that you like you feel tense? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like your your body just is uh, super tense and you're angry and upset at the world and it's just it like it's almost painful to do things. Uh-huh. That it makes sense. Yeah. Like gnashing of uh, Yeah. Like grinding. Yeah, like Kevin said, grinding and just that like feeling of overwhelming anger yeah huh yeah like when yeah that's yeah, i don't need to keep yes yeah. i agree exactly what he said <laughs> yeah. i don't awesome. know why i feel like the need to no you're good you're pile good. on every time um no so i think that's that's a good place um we can pick up with the rest of chapter eight yeah coming on the, the next episode so i hope you guys come back and, and join us for the rest of chapter eight discussion yep